Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. Bruh. New York strip steak? Ooh. This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? <laughs> With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writer. Hey, mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Welcome to the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA Show podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Harper, Jade Hoyt producing. Coming up on today's show, Steph Curry passes Reggie Miller. The Nets have a big three, and it's not as good as Colin Sexton. The Clippers are pretty historic. Kevin Porter Jr. gets a fresh start, and we got the return of Jay King just in time to talk some LaMelo Ball. And of course, Shaq challenging Donovan Mitchell on the show today. Trevon Edwards, Jay King, James Edwards, all from The Athletic. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me on this Sunday. As we record this, the Clippers are up 11 at halftime on the Thunder. I'm going to assume they win this game, but I don't think it changes uh, now that I've cursed them and, and jinxed them from, from winning this game. They've I never don't think it changes the conversation. Before, so. They've never lost big leads before, and we did have that one Steph Curry Warriors competition or conversation, and I think I snuck in. Who knows? For all we know, they go off tonight, and then Steph dropped 62. <laughs> so with his podcast does have that reputation of screwing that up. Um, but even if the Clippers end up losing this game on Sunday as we record this at halftime of their, their game against the Thunder, um, did you guys know they have currently the best offense in NBA history? Like the most efficient offense in NBA history. And normally I'd be like, yo, we're just, you know, we're like 15 games in or whatever that is, right? There's no need to to do that. But last year, last year, as my dog, you know, kind of co-signs that, last year, uh, you know, the Mavericks all season long was like, hey, they've got the best offense in NBA history, but I'm sure it's going to go away. Best offense in NBA history. I'm sure it's going to go away week after week on the power rankings. And it never went away. And they finished with the most efficient offense in NBA history. The Clippers are on pace to 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 beat that so trey what have you noticed different about the clippers like i know they're they're sharing the ball a lot more i think you're seeing a lot more playmaking from Kawhi and paul george but what do you see out of this clippers team that maybe feels different or maybe it doesn't at all maybe that's a leading question you're like nah, they're the same clippers they have become the stepchildren of the nba (laughs) the spotlight has went away it's come to brooklyn here and now in los angeles they get to do work quietly you know, they're in a six-game winning streak. They're sharing the ball. Paul George is actually playing like an MVP candidate. Not like his previous MVP seasons, as he's mentioned. <laughs> but he's playing well. Kawhi's playing well, you know. And they they got it going. They got the ball rolling. And and, and it's, it's quiet, exciting basketball. Again, this was a team that was really hyped up. And, you know, are they actually good again? One thing to me is they have close to eight guys shooting – who shoot at least two and a half threes a game, shooting 34% or better. I mean, you look at kind of some of the names, Pat Beverly shooting four a game, 43%. That's not going to stay. Lou Kennard, I'm the residential Pistons uh, reporter here, but he struggled when he started, and he, he did not look good those first few games in L.A., and he's now shooting 46% on three and a half attempts per game. Batum, 47% from three on four and at 4.4 per game. Like, they're shooting the shit out of the ball. Um, and you look at some of these names, and you probably don't think it's going to hold, but I do think, as you were saying earlier, the ball movement on top of having some, at least for now, reliable shooters opens up a lot of things uh, for what they're able to do. 
Yeah, I, I'm with I'm with James. The shooting's not going to last. Like Paul George won't shoot fifty percent all year long. Beverly won't be where he is. A lot of those guys won't be where they are. But to me, the better shooting is a function of the better offense. Last year, that team was just disjointed. This year, it seems like like they're just working much much better together. Maybe like Trey said, that's that's partly because there isn't the focus on them anymore. Maybe it's because. They got they got a kick in the ass last year. They they thought they were so good. They thought they were going to roll through the Western Conference. They, they clearly didn't respect the Nuggets as much as they should have, and that's a wake up call. And so I, I think for a number of those guys coming back from last season, then adding Serge Ibaka was just very very big for yeah. them. So I, I believe in this Clippers team. I don't think there's nearly as much attention as there should be on this Clippers team right now. Isn't that a good thing, though? Because at the start of the season, obviously, Paul George is making some crazy comments left and right. He's just constantly kind of putting his foot in his mouth in a way where we're like, kind of just like, you know, if you just stop doing that, yeah. you can just play ball, right? You can just play ball and, you, and you'll be fine. And, and they have the embarrassing loss and all that. And since then, it has been quiet. And so maybe the lack of attention. Has Kawhi really said good. a word? No. No, literally not one word. I haven't heard a word from Kawhi all year. I haven't seen Actually, a quote. I haven't seen any. Like last year, he talked a lot. Yeah, for I, I think he was forced. I have though. not heard it. Seen a quote. They were treating him like the doll where you pull a string. And <laughs> in this particular situation, the biggest news about Kawhi outside of his, you know, I think he had six steals in one game, was him getting elbowed in the mouth by Ibaka accidentally. You know, yeah. and since then, you know, once you know Harden wasn't showing up and you know that drama in Houston and then obviously you know Kyrie not showing up <laughs> just just PTO just being rolled out like that the Clippers quietly got their things rolling and 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 it's been quiet ever since and, and they've been they're on a six game winning streak and playing extremely well and at one point in time uh, I think maybe last week they were first in the West and actually first in the NBA so you know as Zach mentioned, they're up 11, and if they happen to win this game, they go up to, you know, seven-game winning streak. And that's that's a plus. I think at the end of the day, this team is really good, um, and obviously they have to do it in the playoffs. But I think if they make one more move, I, I'm, I'm really pulling for them to go get Lonzo Ball, just a defensive point guard. Oh, and, man, be nice. And, and just kind of give them that cushion and in, in, in depth they would be all right. Now, I just don't, you know, I'm still rooting for the Lakers to to repeat this thing just because nobody's playing like them right now. Um, but you got to give credit to the Clippers as well. Two numbers that stand out to me about the Clippers. Paul George, 5.5 assists per game. Kawhi Leonard, 5.6 assists per game. That team, you look at them, right. you think, you know, maybe they're a playmaker short, but they're getting that from from those two guys. And they're getting more playmaking from those two guys than they got last year. And I think that changes a lot for them. And and it makes everybody else's yeah, job Yeah, because they're not ball-stopping, right? Like, the, those guys were ball-stopping last year. Yep. And not that they didn't get assists. Like, they, I think, got, like, four and four or something like that, right, Jay? But, like, they like they, like they the there was so much stagnation. It just doesn't feel like that stagnation is there. Yeah, right the, their, their offense is so much more fluid than it ever was last year. You saw spurts of it last year. Like, when they would go on runs last year, it was like they were – the most incredible squad you, you could see, but it didn't happen all the time. And it certainly didn't happen when there was pressure on them in the playoffs. Now it's just, it's flowing better. Everything's flowing better and everything's flowing through those two guys. Well, so, so what I think is interesting, cause they, like, all right, let's say they win this game on Sunday. 
um, and get it to seven. They're still not the hottest team in basketball, right? The Jazz. Jazz won eight straight, and they are dominating, like dominating yeah. almost every single game. And I don't think you can just chalk it up to the competition because they've actually played some some decent teams throughout throughout this eight game stretch. And so these are the two teams that are the best three point shooting teams in the NBA right now, right? Like the, the or the Clippers are going into this game. We're shooting 43% from three and the jazz are shooting 40% from three. The jazz are, I think 47% of their shot attempts total are three pointers. Like they're shooting, they're like, they're shooting three pointers. Like the, the rockets, yeah, right? Like the rockets did with, with that extreme Mori ball. And, and the defense looks really good now. So obviously, especially during this win streak, Donovan Mitchell's gotten gotten going. Like their their worst shooter right now out of the guys taking a solid number of attempts is Boyan Bogdanovich, which is a crazy thing to think about, right? Because he's the best shooter they have. Like they're they're yeah. clicking in such a way. And for both these teams, obviously on different tiers and in, in different expectations in the playoffs, but I think for both those teams, and maybe this is a Lakers thing or maybe it's a Clippers and Jazz thing. But James, I feel like both those teams were just like, eh, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And while we're on the topic of the Jazz, like shout out to Mike Conley, man. Like he has been absolutely fun to watch this year. I think last year he got a bad rap in terms of everybody just thought he might have been washed. It might have been bad trade, bad time. But I, I maybe chalk it up to a guy who's played in a specific system his whole career, coming to a completely new system, struggling to adjust, playing with another guard who's ball dominant. Like everything was foreign to him when he got there last year. And this year he just seems a lot more comfortable. And like he just, yeah. it, it's been so fun to watch because you just always hear good. Like I've never obviously had a chance to cover Mike Conley. Um, he was he went to Ohio State a few years before I went to Michigan State. But like you just never hear a bad thing about the dude. And you, there was always the thing with, well, he didn't make an all star. Well, is he that good? And it's just like, it, you, sometimes you just want to see guys like that succeed. The guys that don't get the shine, the guys that don't get the pub. And he's on a team that, I mean, no matter how good the Jazz are, and I feel like we talk about this every now and then. Um, throughout the years, like the Jazz are, are always very good, uh, or not always, but they're always solid, especially the last few years. And we really don't talk about them until the end of the year, until the playoffs come. Uh, but it, it's really fitting, just given how Mike Conley has been his whole career and where the Jazz are, that a guy like that is still a staple for just a solid winning program. Um, and it's just been fun to watch, man. I know I didn't answer your question, but I just wanted to shout out Mike Conley while while I had the time. And Don, Donovan Mitchell too has been outrageous. No, no, it's good because he's been balling. Yeah, no, ridiculous. Yeah. Donovan's yeah on a different level right now. I mean, it, he's on a level that he needs to be challenged after a post game. <laughs> <laughs> he's literally doing exactly I mean, what right, Shaq let's, wants yeah, let's him to get do. Into that. So here's what I think happened. All right, here's what I think happened. Shaq was doing the Shaq thing, right? Like this is. This is what Shaq does, right? Dude's playing well. He's like, I don't know. Needs to do more, right? And it's just like, I get it because there's part of this conversation, Trey, where it's like, if you're one of the all-time greats in the NBA, I think, like, I love when um, Allen Iverson talks about the current guys, right? Because he's so, like, just exuberant about where the game is. Like, he he doesn't do all this. Yeah, but this guy doesn't do this, right? He doesn't do any of that, uh, we talked to Jake, get ready for this name drop. We talked to Sidney Moncrief, Hall of Famer <laughs> uh, from Milwaukee Bucks in the 80s. We talked to him on the on the radio this past week, and he was the same way where he was just like, yo, the game's in such a good place. These guys are good. This guy does this. This you know, game's never been better, blah, blah, blah. And it was like kind of refreshing to um, to get that perspective. And I don't have a problem with guys, especially all-time greats, feeling like these guys aren't there yet because they're not. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but I feel like Shaq 
did his Shaq thing. They win the game. And then at that point, with Donovan Mitchell having such a big game, when you get him on the post-game interview, Shaq had to then address what he had said at halftime, right? Like, Because if he doesn't, then it's, oh, he's ducking Donovan. Or he's not he's not I willing disagree. to say that to his to his face I or over. Because he really? has way I mean, cool, you have the you have the floor. I think he painted himself I into think a you corner. Have the floor though, but it's just kinda like let him respond on Twitter and they just exchange something right then and there. Or you just don't say anything at all. Like, I mean, that's the thing about responding on the fly and making you you know what I mean, either the player's gonna respond or you shut up. And in a particular situation, it just took away what great game he had but then also i'm looking at the panel obviously we're not ringers on this panel but we're just now here disrespecting you know the new and up and coming guys and yes maybe what Shaq said a lot of people feel that way that you know donovan can take his game to another level but he's still an all-star he's still playing well his team you know right now is an eight game winning streak and you have to respect that i know a lot of people aren't too fond of rudy gobert but it works for Utah. You have to respect that situation, including myself. I didn't think that they should have uh, gave him all that money. But again, it's a person that actually wants to be in Utah and it's working well for them. And no matter whether they win a championship or not, it's working for Utah and their fans and what they're happy about. And as far as, you know, yeah. that panel, they're quick to either. The comp- only person I would say is Ernie and Kenny that kind of stick to the script. But when you yes, think about yeah. Shaq, Charles, they kind of take take jabs at guys on some back of my day stuff or, you know, you couldn't hold my, you know, what I mean, my jock strap in a scenario. And it's just like it's getting old because these new guys, the younger, the new generation can hoop. They would probably run circles around these old dudes. But also the old dudes are not slouches. But can we say, damn, Shaq, you should have won more than three rings. You know, I mean, four rings and right. you could have did better, but you underachieved. He would lose it. He would lose it. He cannot handle that. Barkley, you should have won a ring, but he's quick to justify and say, oh, you know, if you feel that way, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't reflect on my career. So how can you on national TV, especially on a platform like TNT with all those viewers, say that to Donovan Mitchell right then and there? Talk to him after the season. You see these guys all the time. You can reach out at any time and say, you know what? Or like how Kobe used to do it. Hey, this is my personal challenge for you this season. And he would tweet it out. And if guys really wanted it, you know, Buddy Hill never got his, but guys that 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 really <laughs> <laughs> No, was it was was it uh was it Ben McElroy? Oh, was it Ben McElroy? Oh, yeah, I think it's Ben McElmore. was like, sorry, buddy. My, but Ben McElmore, yeah. he's still waiting on his, and you know, he never got it. But there's other ways to reach out to guys personally and say, look, I challenge you to do this. But not after that. It was like, so I, I respected the I, you know, that's how you feel. I have nothing else to say because there's going to be tons of people that have opinions the same way how we would speak on. I think I used to pick on Gary Harris and then Gary Harris got, you know, he started playing extremely well and got paid. And I was just like Spartan but, dog. But now <laughs> Gary Harris is back to being Gary Harris. Haas. And know, I, how I, really I want to try. Can I chime in on something Trey said really quickly that I, I love that he pointed out in this championship or bust era. It just absolutely annoys me that fans, media, we all do it. It's like there's nothing there's there's something wrong with be, having an entertaining product that just doesn't always get it done. 
Like if you ask Portland fans, I can guarantee you Portland fans are totally fine with what's happened the last seven years where they have an entertaining product. They're always in the playoffs. Their team tends to do something and every now and then they'll, they'll do something extra. Utah, another organization that one team in the, in the city, one pro team in in Salt Lake, that's fairly consistent that gets to the playoffs. That's entertaining. That's young. Like for some of these franchises and some of these cities and some of these fan bases, that is okay. Like we need to stop demoralizing that when we talk about sports, like it's not just championship or you need to rebuild. Like it is important to have a product that's sustained and and can entertain a specific uh, fan base. Like again, Portland, there's not much going on in Portland. I I can guarantee you their fans are fine with what's going on. Same with Salt Lake. And we can name a few other cities. I, I just think I like that you said that. And I think that's something that gets lost in, in today's uh, sports landscape that, that needs to be one fixed and, and talked about more. Bringing it back to, to Charles and Shaq a little bit. I think it's important to leave room for those guys and for every other analyst to criticize guys. Like it's okay to criticize guys. And I think Shaq and Charles especially are in a place where they can criticize some of the top guys because they've been through it and they know what it's like to have to carry a team night in and night out. And so some of their perspectives are right on. Like, like Charles was very critical of James Harden after the he got traded to Brooklyn, said he hasn't seen enough out of him over the years. And I, I think like that that part is fair. To me, where it crosses the line is when they just dismiss guys for for no reason. Like Donovan Mitchell's a young dude who's grown every year, who clearly puts a lot into his craft. And and to just be so openly disrespectful for no reason just gets me. It, mm-hmm. Shaq, like a week or two ago, was telling Christian Wood, like, basically, I'd, I'd never watched you play before this year, big fella. And it's like, like, why do you even have to say that? That that's the, the thing is, I think it's true, though. That's another issue. I don't think Shaq watches. <laughs> yeah, that that's another part. Like casual yeah but he's he's not there (laughs) he's not there for like analysis right like that's the thing like i think that that's what like the basketball nerds like i think that's what we lose sight of sometimes right or it's like like oh he's supposed to be an analyst no he's supposed to be there to be entertaining i agree with you shouts to that though because i love that that about the show by the way that opened the door for a lot of us so shouts to shaq and and uh and chuck for letting people be themselves and taking away, you know what I mean, not solely focusing on basketball. Because there's people that's literally casual fans that don't care about who wins or not. They're just there to, you know, get the jokes. Shaq and the Fool's great. And then also, you know, the little race they do at halftime and everything is always entertaining, especially yeah. Kenny Smith's new hairline. <laughs> <laughs> and, if, and, if it's, and if it's not for you, like, I'm not saying you have to like it, right? Like, there are times where I'm just like, I have no interest, yep. right? Like, there are just times where I don't. Like, I love... Who he played for? Love that. That's like one of my favorite things we've ever seen. Like I, like I've, I'm just, I'm in on that every single time. I think it's funny. I think they do a great job of selling it. Um, I think I, I'm, I'm all in on that. But like, no, I don't look to Shaq and Charles for their thoughts on these current young stars. I just don't because I have like it doesn't affect how I feel about them and how I analyze them. For the casual fan, that's entertainment. Right. The people for the majority of people who watch that, they're they're like they're here for it, which that like if that's what you want your entertainment to be. And I don't even say that in a condescending way, like if that's what you want it to be. That's what you want it to be. I'm not going to tell you like what like what's what's good and what's not with that. I'm just telling you, like his job is not to analyze basketball. His job is to be the comedic relief and be and be yes. Shaq. And, and that's what you love right? about the show. And I think what you're saying in terms of the audience, 
so for us on this on this show right now like we consider ourselves like we we i mean we do basketball for a living i we're the smartest people in the world yeah, you say like, james we're the smartest people put on in the your world. thinking caps we, we have it on us. all the time and it is <laughs> yes i personally don't need to get bashed with the x's and o's like i love the barbershop style of tnt like I'm here for the jokes. I don't need the X. I love what Kenny does because sometimes Kenny does say smart things when he does the uh, when he runs to the screen. But I I like the barbershop talk. I don't always need to be beat over the head with X's and O's. But with that said, when Doris Burke speaks, Hubie Brown speaks, I listen. So it's like it, it depends on what you're trying to get out of your fandom. I think a lot of people there are people who might not say it publicly, but they would like to learn more about the game. Um, and they look to that for that. And that's not what it is. That's barbershop talk mixed in with, again, some X's and O's, but that's not the gist of it. It's a, it's an entertainment show. And, I, and that's what I like about the show personally. All right. So then let's, let's answer this question. Okay. Who has a better chance of going up a level in the postseason? Is it the Clippers getting past the Lakers and into the NBA finals or the Jazz getting past the Clippers and getting into the conference finals. Ooh, level up. Who's gonna level up? I say Jay go. Jay Who's goes gonna first. level up? I'm going. I'm going. Eh, eh, I'm, I'm going Jazz, man. Ooh, really? I'm going. Whoa, whoa, I'm going whoa. Jazz. It, 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 that's that's not because whoa. I feel like the Jazz are better than the Clippers. I think the Clippers are the better team, and I think they will end up beating the jazz if they play them in the postseason but i have a lot of belief in this lakers team i have a lot of belief in lebron james and anthony davis and i just think even if the clippers have leveled up the lakers are gonna gonna beat them in a, in a series if that happens yeah jay just flipped my mind like if we're talking about where they're gonna level up from their respective spots last year i, I think jay makes a great point that i don't know if the clippers are gonna do i, I still just don't believe in the three-point shooting i don't as we talked about earlier and i don't know i don't know if the yeah. clippers did enough to surpass the lakers but i wouldn't be surprised if utah won a playoff series or or even two like that that wouldn't surprise me um i tend to always try to go with who has the best players but like like jay said the lakers did a great job of of leveling up in their own right and I think I think this Jazz team, because they shoot so many three pointers, like they're gonna have games where they just hit a ton of them and get a couple yeah. wins that way. In a playoff series, that's dangerous. We've seen it with with the Rockets; it could go either way. But when you shoot that many threes, you kind of level the playing field right, against more talented teams. You level the playing field against more talented teams like that. And and this Jazz team kind of embraced that late last season, and it probably wasn't talked about enough. They're still doing it now. They're shooting a ton of threes, and over a playoff series, if, especially if Donovan Mitchell goes nuts like he did against the Nuggets last year, they'll have a chance. Trey, who levels up? Oh, man. Or who has a better chance? I should say, not not saying I'm gonna, who. I'm going to say Utah. Ooh. Wow, Trey hates the Clippers, yeah. and that's wow. No, no, because I just got in a spat with the Jazz fans early on this year <laughs> talking about the God. So. <laughs> Like I said, Joe Ingles. Yeah, right. Shout out to Joe, man, fellow teacher. <laughs> but um, no, man, like, like I'm, I'm, I like, I like their, I like their chances to, you know, if anything to get better. That's realistic. The Clippers can only continue to go down, and in this particular situation, for you know, the Jazz to actually make a conference finals or Jazz to actually play in the, the finals, you know what I mean? Like they have to. 
level up. And I think like they've found it, you know, Mike Conley's playing with extreme confidence and Donovan Mitchell's continue, his stars continue to grow and Gobert is effective and does what he does. But again, I'm putting it in a term of growth. Yeah. The Clippers cannot grow. The Jazz is the only team in this selection that can actually grow and get better. You know, like I'm talking about literally advance and say, you know what? They reached as far as they possibly can, and it was better than the previous five seasons. Yeah. Versus the wow. Clippers, it's kind of like they do it or they, they don't. came in and expected to win, or they don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just a laughing stock, or they, you know, well, it's, they got Kawhi and Paul George versus it's unexpected with Utah. So I'm going to choose Utah. I think I'm going Clippers. I, think I like just that. Because, not that I believe. Not that I believe that they can or will beat the Lakers necessarily. Because I do think once the Lakers get past third gear, like no one can mess with them. Um, but I look at like I don't think the shooting of the Clippers is sustainable. But also like their defense is middle of the road right now, and I think their defense will end up being a top ten defense, maybe even close mm-hmm. to top five, right? And so I think that that's. I think that that if there is any chance of growth with what with what Trey's saying, I think Trey's Trey's pretty dead on with a lot of that stuff. I do think we can see another level or two from their defense. Um, whereas with the Jazz, I don't know that they can play any better than they are. With the Clippers, I think they can play. Zach better Harper, well known Paul I George that, supporter, I think that exists. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. (laughs) <laughs> well-known Paul George supporter, you know, I just, I believe he's going to shoot 68% true shooting for the rest of uh, the season. Um, by the way, some di- I mentioned like Vinny Goodwill uh, tweeted out Paul George's numbers the other night, right? I was like, wow, 68% true shooting. Like that's insane. And this dude's like, yeah, but it's inflated error for stats. And so I looked it up and no one's averaged at least 24 points per game while having a true shooting of 68%, I was like, well, maybe, but like, you can't say it's because of inflated stats because literally no one's right. done this. And no one's doing it now except for one dude, right? Like, it's just like not a thing. And they got into this whole thing, people saying like, true shooting percentage is irrelevant and all this stuff. I was like, it's it's not though. Like, it's, it's so much better than like, just field goal percentage. And it doesn't have to be this advanced thing. It's just like, look, that's how we know that Steph Curry... Is yep. Steph Curry, right? Is that he does this at a historical level. Now, and I also don't think Paul George is going to keep this up because that's insane to think as well. Um, but like you can't just look at this and be like, ah, it's inflated. It's like, no, it may be it may be unsustainable. That doesn't mean it's inflated. Like, I think you gotta God, I'm I'm just defending Paul George all day today, <laughs> I guess. Uh we gotta move on so I don't keep doing that. Um the other the other really big names in this NBA right now, the Nets big three, and obviously James Harden joins the team. And now you got James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. First two games, you just had Kevin Durant and James Harden. And then Kyrie comes back. And oh, guys, it falls apart because Colin Sexton eats them up. And then Katie sits out a game. And Colin Sexton and the Cavs eat them up again. And so, James, I will start with you. Has Kyrie Irving ruined the Brooklyn Nets? No. Because what I will say is before Kyrie returned, before James Harden got there, just looking at them in January. All right, let's start January 3rd. Gave up 123 to the Wizards. 
January 7th, 109 to Philly. January 8th, 115 to the Grizzlies. January 10th, 129 to the Thunder. 116 to, like, we can go on. Like, since January 8th, I think the least amount of points they've given up is 109. Defense was the issue before Kyrie came back. Defense was the issue when he came back. Defense was the issue when they got James Harden. This team is going to score a lot of points, and I think it's going to be a fascinating experiment to find out if just maybe all-time offense can trump all-time bad defense when it cut when basketball matters. Because I don't think this defense is ever going to get fixed unless they legitimately go out and make a move to bring in somebody like uh, I don't know Jared Allen. Um, that <laughs> that would be like they need <laughs> they need help. And I saw that there was a rumor that Javale McGee, Brooklyn's looking at Javale McGee. They need real help here because I think the defense. I, you just see it in playoffs. The game slowed down. Hey, come on now, real help. I, we shout out to Flint. That's my guy. But like, we need, we need uh the Brooklyn needs something that is a little bit more pound your fist, concrete, protecting the rim. I like Javel. I I think they need to go get somebody that's a difference maker on that end, a legitimate difference maker. Because when the game slows down in the playoffs, yeah. I don't, I just can't see you nope. scoring 135 for seven games, and I can definitely see them giving up 120 for seven games. They are testing the limits of no, no love for Norvero Pale. <laughs> I'll let you handle the, the Norvell Pell. Uh, love. I seen him bust the Pistons' ass once in the preseason. I was a fan, but other than that, it's been uh, my my Norvell Pell viewing experience has been few and far between. I saw him have like three blocks in a minute against the Celtics, and then never heard from him again. Yeah, same same here. <laughs> preseason God. Okay, who's more likely to level up, Norvell Pell or a Peloton? <laughs> Peloton. Peloton. Peloton for sure. Um, but to 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 answer your point, um, it's definitely not Kyrie. Um, I think it takes time. Um, Steve Nash has some amazing quotes, by the way. Um, just saying, yeah. you know, trying to get guys in, and 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 what James his approach might not be, you know, loved by the fans, but what he's trying to do is sit back and um, get those guys the ball. And right now, James great, is the point Trey. guard. I think I think that's I doubted that we would see this type of effort from James Harden just in terms of getting everyone involved, like just based on what he had done the last few years in, in Houston. And he's he's playing that like he's doing exactly what he needs to. Yeah, I mean, he's he's come in and he's actually his mentality he actually wants to win. And he knows that, you know, Kevin is obviously the best player on on that roster. And then, you know, obviously James could be the second best, but he's taking a seat back because obviously he's the new guy there. And it reminds me of when LeBron joined the Miami Heat and was trying to find his way, you know, and he didn't want to step on toes until they lost. And then he came back like, all right, you know, I got to be the top dog. So in this particular situation right now, James is the point and Kyrie has moved to the off ball and it's, it's being more aggressive with the shooting, but what they need to factor in and what they messed up in was taking Joe Harris out of the lineup because they lost their outside shooting for one and teams were packing the paint because these guys, you know, they start off cold it's kind of like, Zach, you get a shot. James, you get a shot. Jay, you get a shot. And then, okay, now I'll try to shoot. But we're already down 10, you know, in the situation. And they don't really – they only have one player in that starting lineup that's playing defense, Kevin Durant. Everybody else is kind of just sitting on their hands saying, hey, I just play offense. And their second-best defender is, you know, Bruce Brown. So – and he comes off the bench and barely plays sometimes. Mm-hmm. It just depends on how the flow of the game. So in this particular situation – you move Jeff Green to the bench. He doesn't care if he starts or not. And he had a, a good game last night. But he's also the vocal leader of this team. You know, he's 
telling guys to you know stay consistent and even kill and you you look at overall what this team can do obviously they're not done filling out the roster and i like the names of javelle mcgee and then you got andre Drummond Drummond trying to be a part of Kyrie's instagram post which who knows what that what that is meaning get um, me the hell Kyrie, out of cleveland you know, is what that means yeah well yeah <laughs> so as soon as, that tra- as soon as that trade happened that's true yeah as soon as that trade happened though i immediately heard from people around the around the league saying andre Drummond will find his way there can i ask a question yeah, about absolutely. that real quick I think to that, you guys Trey, Go I know you've been around, Dre, just your Detroit ties. I know you, obviously, you too, Zach and Jay, you watch basketball. The thing with Drummond, he always tries to do more than he's capable of. And there's a running debate amongst Pistons beat writers that if Dre is put in a certain situation, he'll tone that down. I am in the camp of that's who Dre thinks he is, and he'll always do that. Do you guys think that he could just stick to the things he's good at if he's in a situation where he's where it's pivotal for him to do so. Absolutely not. I don't think so I'm, at all. And I'm I say that you. as a man who followed Andre Drummond specifically to watch his Instagram videos of him <laughs> working TikToks. on guard skills in the offseason. Oh. It's the funniest thing in the world. It's like, bro, you're seven foot athletic as hell, one of the best rebounders in NBA history. You don't need to be working on your handle and your threes and stuff like that. Like, just, <laughs> just tone it down. Do what you do best and you'd be awesome. But I, I think he's so far into his career that it, it's just that's never going to happen. It just it just isn't. And he he clearly he fancies so, himself I, someone with guard skills, someone who does all that stuff. I just I don't see it happening, I think. But if you could do it, if you could channel Andre Drummond into what he does best, he'd be a very, very good player. If if you could turn him into the mentality that. DeAndre Dwight Jordan Howard, right like now. give him Dwight Howard, but last but just two be years. Be, but just be better, yep. right? Yeah, but just be better, which he would be. Um, then I think it works out. But I I also have my reservations about that. Like I I think he kind of is what he is. Like I mean, they're look, they this Cleveland team is is pretty decent and pretty exciting so far, right? Like Colin Sexton, Colin Sexton has been amazing yeah. this year. To where like I don't have any reservations about Colin Sexton anymore. Like, I'm I I always kind of like ah, I don't really get it, and now I get it. Like, I'm in. Like he's, this kid's amazing, and and Drummond and Drummond like is demanding post ups. Yeah, it's it's tough, and he sucks at <laughs> it. Yeah, he sucks. When you look at it like this, Zach, they just got Jared Allen, low maintenance, and it's going to do what he's supposed to do. I think actually, and not like I said, I'm not going to put this black man down. Shouts to Andre Drummond. I think. Drummond is actually going to dumb his game down in this situation because he is not going to be the so. superior voice in this situation. I think he will take a backseat for Kevin Durant. If it was anybody else, and the reason why he's maybe pouting in Cleveland is because he feels he's superior to those in that locker room. And he also didn't want to go there, too. Like, yeah. I, I, and I yeah, doubt he I still mean, wants you know, to be there, even you, though they're You're just making money, man, and, yeah. and, and then it happens. And obviously, Kevin Love is Kevin Love somewhere. But those that 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 roster now is is you know young and and gutted and trying to figure things out and obviously JB's got those guys playing hard and competing and and they're figuring it out with you know the the, the Sexland crew yeah. and if you get if you get Drummond there to Brooklyn I think that for one James is going to make him a better player guys are going to feed him guys won't feel a certain way about getting him the ball and he's going to eat a bunch with his hands and be a garbage man. And continue to do, you know, James got a chance to watch him in Detroit. I myself got a chance to watch him in Detroit. He is a stat pattern. Yeah. 
he will get 10 and 10 by the end of the second quarter. That is nothing. The thing is, is his, his focus. And I don't think overall, ideally on paper in NBA 2K, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets would be dominant, but down the stretch, sometimes Dre goes away from the, the game plan. And, you know, at the, you know, you, you really would, would hope that he would kind of at 27 now, you know what I mean? From, from dancing on vine at 19 to, to now rapping at 27, it is interesting to see if he did get a new shift to be playing with these guys that he steps up and says, you know what? I just want to win. Yep. And that's rare for guys because obviously this is just a hot ticket right now. It's like, Oh, it's lit over there. It's like going to Atlanta. That's what I look at the Brooklyn Nets having a big three. I like that. Would you guys consider trading Kyrie Irving if you're Brooklyn? Because the way I look at it right now, no, that team is yes. testing the limits of how bad defensive personnel you could possibly have on a real championship contender. Like they just don't have any. Plus it's defenders. so bad, man. <laughs> and and like James Harden and Kevin Durant have the offense that will be fine. I would and and it's a complicated conversation because Kevin Durant went there so that he could play with Kyrie Irving. If you move Kyrie, then all of a sudden you open up possibly alienating Kevin Durant, possibly you know pissing off the guy who matters most in your entire franchise. And so it's a very complicated, delicate conversation. But I just think like from a roster balance standpoint, that team as as good as they can be, like they're the like the 2017 Cavs to me. <laughs> and and maybe the 2017 <laughs> Cavs are good good enough to win when they don't have to run into the Warriors, you know? But but they just have so little defensive talent. It's it's really impressive. I was going to ask you when Trey made the point and I agreed with you and Zach um Trey that Harden taking a step back, he's done it wonderfully. Do you want him to take a step back? Like that's the thing to me. Like I don't Yes. Yes, cause, yes cause, I do. Because we're not about it's not we're not trying to get him MVP anymore. We're trying to get him to play the right team basketball. Like his skill set, he's so much more than a scorer. Right. Right. Like we know he can score. We know he can get bucket. Like he doesn't have to like, all right, I gotta get these first like 10 first quarter points so I can be in a rhythm. He can get buckets anytime. Like he's such a skilled passer and so good at breaking down defenders and getting into the middle of the floor that if he uses that consistently as you don't know if he's gonna try to score or pass versus like yeah, he's probably gonna try to score. I just think that causes so many issues for, for their no, I, So, Zach, I got a problem. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I'm just going to say I have a problem with him deferring to the second unit. I think that he needs to be aggressive when he's out there on the floor with the yeah, second I unit. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree and with then that. he can take a seat back when he's out there with the starters and play point. You know, and I think that's the confusion right now and why everybody has a comment about he needs to be aggressive or this and that because, again, when you're sitting back and you finally have to take a shot in the fourth quarter because guys are gassed or they've overused, you're cold and you haven't found a rhythm. And that's why it looks so clunky and nasty because we're used to him being able to get those threes and get to the basket. But if you distribute for the first 12 minutes of the game or the first 18 minutes of the game and finally want to get a look, you're never going to be able to get in that rhythm. You might hit a three here and there, but you're going to go cold towards the end. And what he needs to do when they stagger, which Nash has been doing, taking out Durant and Irvin and having him play with, you know, Joe Harris and Bruce Brown and TLC and, you know, to name a couple of those guys. James is trying to find those guys instead of being the guy to initiate the offense first. 
And then when everybody collapses, find those guys to make down, make shots. And that's the thing that's going to have to click for him. And, and I said that to say, I, I, I want Harden to take a backseat to Durant, no question. But to go back to what Jay said, I'm fine with Harden as the number two option if it means you can build out a more well-rounded roster in trading Kyrie. Like, I, I think the scoring and offense will be fine sans Kyrie with Harden taking on more scoring. It, but if you can add defense or just even better role play, I think that's what they need. I, again, there's more politics that go to it. Like Jay said, like Ky, KD went there to play with Kyrie. I just think this team is close to being really, really good. And I, they're just testing the limits defensively. And I, I just don't think they can win with how many points they're giving up, man. Like 120, like every night is ridiculous. And I don't think it's going to get better. Uh, well, I also think, though, that and maybe you read about this Wednesday on The Athletic. Hey. I don't know uh, that there are there are options that will be added throughout this season. Right. After the deadline. Yeah, probably um, that. So like and I don't think Bio it needs. Market. Uh, yeah, I don't think they need a lot. I think you need like two dudes and they have an upper hand because they have that uh, disabled player exception because of Spencer Dinwiddie's injury. Yeah. Right. So like you can go like I can give this dude five point seven million dollars instead of the instead of him like considering the minimum somewhere like that's a that's a big deal. Right. I get so, to go play for a championship and I get to make more money than I would in most buyout situations. And there are other teams with exceptions that they can throw towards that. But um but I, I think, I think if they add two guys, so Zach, we're, like, we're going to play with. A, a good enough team. They have two spots open, right? Since they signed Pale, um, they have the mid, the the, the DPE for five point seven million. Second rounds only. This is what they have: twenty twenty one Atlanta and Phoenix, twenty twenty two their own, twenty twenty three from Indiana, twenty twenty four their own, twenty twenty five Golden State Warriors. 2026 own and 2027 own. So they can dangle those to try to bring something in, but hopefully it's perimeter defense and a center. See, you guys keep saying bringing something in. I think if you trade Kyrie, you can bring something in, like two somethings, not just Wayne Ellington when they cut, when the Pistons wave and stretch him in two months or whatever. I you I think they are on the cusp from building something that can be sustainable and legit for many many years and I get it's really tough to make that call on trading Kyrie but I, I think just like a a center and a two-way wing and I think everybody would sign up for Brooklyn in the Eastern in the in the finals to play the Lakers for the next few years. Yeah, but I I also think that just with the like I don't think it's realistic to expect them to even consider no, I agree. Kyrie that's, that's in fair. season. I agree with you. You know, so that like that's that's it. Like I think maybe if things become a disaster, yeah, I could see the offseason. We start seeing, all right, Kyrie may be out of here. Maybe Kevin Durant decides, like, nah, you know what? I don't need him involved in this. I can see that opportunity yeah. opening. I just don't see how that's gonna happen between now and March. That's 25th. fair. At least give it a run and see what happens. I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, and then uh big news out of this weekend, Steph Curry. Passes Reggie Miller on the all-time three-pointers made list. Just Ray Allen is ahead of him. Uh, also in the same week slash weekend, Donovan Mitchell became the fastest to 600 made three-pointers. So these numbers are going to get crazy at some point. Um, but it, it's funny. I, like I, I was talking about this with Amin on the radio Friday night about how like how long do we have to wait until we call Patrick Mahomes the greatest quarterback of all time? <laughs> right? Like ha, like we know it's going to be the case. Yo, yo, how long yo, yo. Wait, and it reminded. 
Oh, Jay's watching Brady go off right now. Yeah, it's not the time. I'm I'm watching him throw arm punches. <laughs> yeah, whole that's half, true. So I don't that's know about true. that. Um, Let, let's just uh, tone it but, down. No, my, my man's got six yeah, rings. No, I'm open to the I'm open to the idea that Andy Reid figures out how to cheat, and so then they start you know rolling even more. But um, just, he's got the but Tampa think, Bay Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game. He's got them, or Drew Brees has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> in the championship game. These guys haven't even made the playoffs in 12 years. This the Tom Brady disrespect ha- has to go. Mahomes, Mahomes. I will say, Mahomes is the only one who's been a real challenger or who has a, a chance to be a real challenger. But you got to do it for twenty years, man. You got to be incredible no, for twenty years. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's what Brady did. No, That's what the goat did. Uh, not really, because he didn't. Even, he's not even number one on the list, right? On, on what list? It's Joe Montana and then Tom Brady and then actually Patrick Mahomes. Tom, Tom Brady has beat more teams the in the That's playoffs, the like point. teams, one by one team, like different teams. Then Montana <laughs> has wins period in the playoffs. I think Montana could have beaten Eli Manning in the Super oh, Bowl man. at least Chad once Pennington. out of two times. But you know the guy with the noodle arms, it's hard to beat that guy. <laughs> yeah no that's fine but so our conversation was how long do you have to wait for patrick mahomes to be just considered Probably never but tw- 20 years of all time um and it reminded us of the conversation about steph curry from like 2012 2013 where it was like okay we know this dude's the greatest shooter ever why do we like do we have to wait for him to pass reggie do we have to wait for him to pass ray allen or can we just accept this now we should have accepted it then and it, yes yes absolutely if you didn't you're a moron. Just, yeah. If you don't accept the greatness when it's before our eyes, no matter what your compiling stats are that he's got to reach, Jay, I have to question your your judgment. I mean, the, the dude's got one title, man. Let's let's tone it down. Let's tone it down. Brady, baby. But but Steph, <laughs> Steph, Steph reached that level a long time ago because Steph blew all other competitions just out of the water. He took three-point shooting to a level that nobody really even considered possible for a long time. And and now other guys are starting to show it. It's like the four minute mile. Like as soon as someone ran a four minute mile, guys were like, "Oh, we could do that too." Steph Steph started doing things that nobody could do, and now other people are copying him. You know, it would be a great Zach Harper piece. The greatest shooters that we'll never admit are the greatest shooters. Like Troy Daniels, to me, Steve if you Novak. if you watch Troy Daniels, Steve, yeah, Steve Novak, Troy Daniels does not miss. He just doesn't play. Like, if you ask me, I've never seen anybody with a strap, well, besides Steph and a few others, but, like, uh, with a strap like Troy Daniels is. But nobody's ever going to say Troy Daniels is one of the greatest shooters. Dana Barrows, they, yeah, baby. My man, Dana, Dana Barrows, Barrows all-timer yeah. for me. Dana like, there, Barrows came list way before had. his time, man. If he played now, he'd average, like, 25 and oh. be in all-star games and stuff. Same with, like, Cliff Robinson. Yeah, same, yeah, there's a few guys. That would be a great list, though. That is a good idea. That's a good idea. Jade, bleep all that out. I'm going to write that. <laughs> I, I want to read that, too. <laughs> Uh, um, at what point, at what point do, uh, do we think like Steph's ever going to slow down just with the shooting? Cause there is a, there is an athleticism issue at some point in his career, right? Where maybe separation doesn't, you know, doesn't keep happening. But I, 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 I was thinking about that this weekend. I'm just like, I wonder if he'll ever like be consistently a below 40% three point shooter. 
That's a great question. And that's a wild thing too, is like he's he's shooting what 37, 38% this year from three. I'm like, damn, he's struggling. Yeah, no, most right. guys have been like, 38%. <laughs> it depends how long he goes and how he decides to change his game. Like if he tries to do all this same stuff, there will come a time when he won't be able to create that type of separation, like you said. If he if he like ages gracefully and realizes like more of it has to be off ball can't be doing all the the around the backs and step backs and stuff like that then i think his percentages will always be outrageous yeah that's the that's the point to me jay like because his game's not predicated on athleticism it's more deception and then you see he'll take a, a, a dribble and a stab with the step with a step and then step back and it's like maybe in a couple of years like that step will lead to like a torn Achilles like maybe it's just age and it'll happen but he has deception and you wonder as long as he has a nice handle a, a nice loose handle which I love about his game it's like it's out there for you to get but you just can't get it similar like Jason Tatum um, as long as he's able to the body doesn't just completely deplete him and and just fail him I think he might be okay just because his game is built on deception and 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 fakes and it's it's going to be fascinating to watch. I can't even like put it in words, but I I could see a world in which he's still able to do what he does for a few more years after I guess he reaches his prime. I don't I don't see I don't see it slowing down. Just how Jason Kidd climbed up the three point rank and got better at shooting, he doesn't have to be that athletic because he could just let that burner go. I think the, yeah, the the real jab is just more so that he can actually shoot off the dribble. When he gets older, they're going to be setting screens for him, and he's just going to be coming off screens and knocking it down. And the I thing actually is, trust him more off the dribble than I do spotting up, which is weird. Yeah. I mean, Clay's a better spot up for me, I feel. Yeah. But overall, as you get older, we've learned from Jason Kidd and Vince Carter that guys, they change their game up. I was shocked that LeBron is still able to do what he does because I thought he was going to take the, you know, either go to the low post or just start, sh- which he has been shooting threes, but I'm talking about in the Vince Carter way, but he's still athletic. Right. So shout out to him like Blake and, Griffin. and what he does. Two years yeah. ago, yeah. So so seeing Steph now, I don't see that slows down because he's going to be able to shoot forever. He's one of them type of guys that's just going to be able to let it fly, maybe not be able to go between the legs and wrap around and kind of dance on the, on the floor and celebrate that way. But, you know, being running down, you know, off pin downs and, and, and double screens and et cetera, he's still going to be able to knock those down. So I think he I think he catches up and, and, and gets it. It just depends also on the competitiveness. Does he want to go play golf after this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, do I really want to, you know what I'm saying? By the time Cannon's like five, do you really want to be old? Right. You know what I mean? And sore from basketball injuries or, you know what I mean? You can walk away gracefully like Barry Sanders. Or you Why you got to do that, I know man. he's a competitor. Why you got to do Barry? Oh, my bad, bro. Just for James, too. Because that's tough. Because my man's like, he left and he should have left. I don't even want to go down the line. I'm sorry to interrupt you with Lions bullshit. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Trey. Calvin Johnson, too. Come on, Jay. <laughs> I was with you on Tom. No, they got Dan Mitchell or Dan Campbell now, right? Oh, They'll be fine. That dude breaking kneecaps. Stafford's like, nah, bruh. I don't want yeah. I, I like pe- people that have to break 500. Yeah, I know. Win a playoff game, bum ass lines. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, real quick before we go, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. gets his fresh start in Houston. I like the move by Houston, just trying to take a take a chance on a on a young dude with a lot of talent. Um, Trey, what do you what do you think comes out of this situation? Oh man, I love the move. Obviously, you know, KPJ has been having some issues, obviously, from from college to the pros. I think John Lucas is going to be a great mentor over there in Houston. 
Um, it's going to settle him down. And then also you got guys like John Wall and, and, and Boogie who are a little bit older now and have also had growing pains in their career. It's going to be a step in and be a big bro to them. And obviously, you know, statistically year two, he's on the same path as Harden. I'm not saying that he's going to be the player that Harden is, but I like his potential in the open floor and Houston to give him the opportunity to, to, to play well. It speaks volumes to what must have been going on behind the scenes that the Cavs gave up on him because he had a promising, well, and, and promising out, right? rookie season. That it got, Jay, that it got out the way it did. It's like, hey, we're going to trade. Like you, like you let the reporting get out that they're going to trade or waive him. I'm like, that that's is... That's not how you get any kind of trade leverage. That's how bad it had to have been. Yeah. Right? And I mean, the guy, he had a promising rookie season for a team that should be latching on to any promising young wings. So whatever happened must be bad. I'm always going to root for a guy. And I think you saw it in the Kobe Altman statement, like Kevin Porter deep down is a good guy, <laughs> you know? And so so I think even even Altman will be rooting for him, but it it doesn't he must be in a bad place or he must have had a lot of beef with the organization for them to move on the way they did. Yeah. To echo you guys, like I had to do a little bit of homework on KPJ when he got drafted, that 30th pick the Cavs used on him was actually Detroit's. So the fans were losing their minds as to why they didn't take KPJ and just everybody I talked to like serious red flags to the point that some don't think it's fixable. Um, that's just might be who he is. Again, you wish the best on a young man. Um, and whatever he's going he's through so that he can't young. change. So young. And he's like, so young. So yeah, much like you, mature. you hope that he can. I think back to when I was 20, 21 years old, like I would have had red flags out, out the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully yeah, he'll no, figure it out. That's true. Yeah, always. Um, and then oh, go ahead. As we, uh, as we close this out, uh, if you round up a little bit, LaMelo Ball averaging a triple-double in the season, Jay. He just um, – you just got to round up a little. I bit, will right? say, in my defense, James Borrego just just benched him and or limited his minutes, and then was like, he's just got to be better for if if he's going to throw that many turnovers, he's got to play some defense. But I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm going to surprise you guys right now. I'm all in on Lamelo Ball. Uh, all I'm in? all in on Lamelo Ball. Wow, you guys heard what? it there. No, he he is. He it's reminds me. He watch. has a lot of refining in his game to do. But he reminds me of young white chocolate Jason Williams. Where, oh, where he, I like that. he's just like a totally creative. They shoot about the same percentage. So, works. <laughs> so, is, he, so is he light chocolate? Yeah. <laughs> light, Ooh, chocolate. Light, cho- yeah. light chocolate. Trey, that's I, think, fire. Trey I think you can say that. I think Jay light and I will stick this is one a, is a great that's fire. But that's what he reminds me of. Like before Jason Williams kind of matured and started to play a, a much like more laid back style back in the early Sacramento days when he was throwing crazy, crazy, insane passes and doing wild stuff. And sometimes getting benched in the fourth quarter because he wasn't really reliable. That's LaMelo right now, but LaMelo is six, seven and, and he's like for a point guard, he is huge. I'm all in on LaMelo guys. I've, I've bought in. Wow. The Hornets are fun to watch. Wow. So they are. I shout to miles. I'm surprised by how fun fun they are to watch. Be nice if Devontae Graham could hit a jump shot. Yeah. Yeah, he's been struggling. But this is uh You gotta bring him off the bench. You gotta yeah. start LaMelo. I'm done with all this not starting LaMelo stuff. Jason Williams, light chocolate. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's that fantastic. Is, uh, man, that's a that's a great call. 
It's a great call. All right, that's going to do it for the Athletic NBA show. Make sure you check out the restricted area on the Athletics YouTube channel with myself and Wozni Lambre. Uh, every Thursday, we got a new video for you. Uh, this past one was uh, top 16 duos in the NBA starring our new duo metric. Uh, which I cannot remember what it stands for. You guys for. are killing that, Jake by the way. I haven't there. been able to tell you. I, I really it's enjoyed fun, that. It's, it's legitimately so a lot of fun to do. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's been it's been a lot of fun to do so far. We've got some we got some fun ideas coming up. Make sure you check out the rest of the shows on the Athletic NBA Show. Uh, we've got Basket Buds, obviously, today. Tampering on Tuesday. Hoops adjacent on Wednesday. Point of Contention on Thursday. Nerd She Wrote on Friday. Make sure you're checking out No Dunks every day. Make sure you're checking out all the team-specific shows uh, make sure you're checking out the uh, House of Strauss podcast and subscribe to The Athletic. What the hell's wrong with you? You're not subscribed to The Athletic? Get the best coverage out there. You know how good The Athletic is? James Edward III makes the Pistons <laughs> entertaining to read about. You know I how hard that is? That, man. Thank you. I'm just. I legitimately enjoy Pistons coverage. This team's like 3 and it's, 13. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's, I'd much rather watch what I've been watching than what I've watched the last two years. Like, at least this team is entertaining and, like, fights They're to the end. Yeah. Yeah. And Cage Cunningham yeah. season. So, it's it's time, <laughs> baby. Yes. For the, the eventual destination of Cade Cunningham, make sure you're checking out all the Pistons coverage on The Athletic. Make sure you check out the great Celtics coverage from Jake King. Make sure you're checking out all the podcasts that we're on. And uh, for Trey, for Jay, for James, for Jade, I'm Zach. Keep it locked in on The Athletic Podcast Network.